This is a passage and a principle where we help you to think on God's Word so that our minds can be renewed to be like Jesus. Let's get into God's Word. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of A Passage and a Principle. My name is Dustin Sims. I'm glad to be that you're able to join me today. And uh, as we continue on with our podcast and talking about uh, really just, just kind of going off the sermon uh, that I had preached on the previous Sunday. Now, the passage of scripture I was in was Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 11. And it says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so in, in dealing with this passage of scripture, uh, the title of the message was Sanctification, Dead to Sin, Alive to God. Um, if you have followed any on Facebook, you have seen that over the last several weeks I have really focused in on sanctification. We've been doing a uh, study through uh, and looking at sanctification. And as we've looked at that, we've seen that uh, um, you know, we've been set apart to be holy before God. And all that is needed uh, to do that is been has been provided for us. Uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, um, everything needed for life and godliness, all those things that that, uh, that 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 Christ accomplished is imparted to us. But in thinking about that and what Christ has done for us, we're called to uh, to do our part. In other words, we're to respond appropriately, and and especially when it deals with sin. Now, oftentimes as believers, we can take a casual view of sin. And sort of have the attitude of, um, you know, well, I have forgiveness in Christ, and so since I'm forgiven in Christ, it's, you know, it's not a big deal. Or maybe we even, you know, it's not that we don't think it's a big deal, but we just, in the back of our minds, we say, you know, I know that God will forgive me, and so we really don't treat it as that big of a deal. And so sometimes we can find ourselves in, in that often, in that kind of mindset often. And, and Paul deals with that here. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? And his answer is, may it never be. Uh, very strong, very uh, straightforward answer, may it never be. And the reason is, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? And so what I wanted to do this, uh, this podcast is just sort of Take a look at uh, just very briefly the sermon yesterday. Then I want to point you to a couple things that uh, that's sort of uh, you know as I'm praying praying through it and really uh, looking at this passage of scripture, uh, some things that sort of stood out to me uh, in that. And and as I told you before, you know we sort of changed up the podcast, sort of taking a little deeper look into a passage of scripture and some surrounding passages. And so it's longer uh, than what we have been doing, the five minutes, but. Uh, Again, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're taking time to deal with a passage of Scripture the way that we need to. And hopefully it encourages you. 
and challenges you. And, you know, we know that the Word of God will not return void. And so any opportunity we had to put the Word of God out there, we want to do so. And so, again, so I just kind of want to give you a little bit of, um, you know, sort of a, a summary of the sermon here. The first thing we talked about was that, uh, you know, to realize that we're in Christ. We're identified with Christ. In verse 3, he says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Now, Paul's point here is this. We've been identified with Christ. Now, he, he points to baptism. Uh, now, again, he's not saying here that, that baptism saves you. That's not the point. The point is not that, that baptism saves you. But it is that event that we can look back to and we can point to, uh, sort of like a uh, one author that I read said, uh, kind of like a naming ceremony. You know, a naming ceremony doesn't really change uh, who you are, but it is something you can look at, look back to, and and think about. Why do I have this name? Why has it been given to me? And it's it's a it's it's a picture uh, that is there. And, and this is what baptism is. Baptism is that first response uh, of obedience to us as we publicly proclaim that we're a follower of Jesus Christ, that we have died with Christ, that we've been buried, and that we come forth a new uh, creation. Now, as we think about this, Paul says that we've been baptized into Christ Jesus. He's pointing to that identity uh, with Christ. Now, in, in talking about this identity with Christ, he says that, uh, you know, not only have we died with him, but we were buried with him and so that we would walk in newness of life. As he rose, we would walk in newness of life as well. And so in, in understanding this identity that we have with Christ, we're to understand that all of who Christ is and all of what he accomplished, we're now identified with, but also in the sense of understanding that we're not to have that casual view towards sin. Why? Because we're identified with Christ and Christ does not have a casual view towards sin. And so, Paul's dealing here with this idea of, well, <clears throat> you know, there's this forgiveness, and, and he just said in, at the end of chapter 5, you know, where sin increased, grace increased more. And so naturally somebody would think, well, if, if you know, if sin is causing grace to increase, then, you know, what I'm doing here, if I'm uh, living a life of sin, I'm, I'm helping for grace to be extended. And Paul says that that shouldn't be, that, you know, believers should not have that mindset we should never have the mindset of saying uh, it's okay, you know, we're under grace, we're not under law, I don't have to worry about sin because I'm under grace. This is not a biblical view a at all. And, and, and Paul tells us that we've been identified with Christ. And so since we've been identified with Christ, there's a death that took place and a burial, but then there's also a, a newness uh, that takes place. And it's in that newness that we understand as believers that's how we are to live. Now, what Paul's speaking about here is not, the fact that believers are going to sin, whether or not we're going to, because we will, we will mess up. That's not that's not the uh, the picture here. The picture here is a willful state of sin, continuing in this willful state of sin, um, and and so that's not how we are to live. F.F. Uh, F. Bruce said, "Life in sin cannot coexist with death to sin," and I think he's very right there in in how he is uh, he is looking at it. And so as we see here, we see that uh, Paul mentions and tells us here points to the fact that we've been identified with Christ and as we've been identified with Christ we're now to live in newness no longer in the old way but in newness and secondly he'll say that we have a different relationship with sin for if we verse 5 for if we become united with him in the likeness of his death certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. 
And so here Paul tells us that we now have a different relationship. Sin used to be the main influence in our lives. As, as those who were lost, um, that's what naturally came to us. That's how we, uh, we were geared. We were, we were born towards that tendency to, uh, uh, to sin. We were born with the sin nature. And, and, you know, Paul tells us here that now that we've been changed in Christ, we have a different relationship with sin. Sin is no longer the main influence in our life. And this death and resurrection here is key to understanding this. If we become united with him in the likeness of his death, that we have died, then we also sh- uh, shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Our old self was crucified. Why? In order that the body of sin or the body ruled by sin might be done away with. And so that we would no longer be slave for, uh, to sins. For he who has died is freed from sin. And so the idea here is that a slave who's died, and, and if we were slaves to sin, but now we've died uh, to sin, we're no longer under, under obligation to that master. And so the phrase, I cannot help it, should not be a phrase a Christian should use when it comes towards sin. And so Paul says that the body of sin, or the body ruled by sin, might be done away with. And that means, the, speaking to the power that kept us, is, is now done away with. You know, in, in the fact that we were at one time, um, geared towards sin and we were ruled by sin doesn't mean we were uh, as bad as we could be or that we did as, as bad of things as we, we could be but we were ruled by sin we were separated from God we were enemies with God and we were dead in our trespasses and sin and so you know Paul says here that the body of sin the body ruled by sin might be brought to nothing or done away with and what that means is it means to be inoperable or barren or no effect or no longer able to exercise the authority it once had and so our relationship to sin has changed. Now we're different. Now we are, we are changed. And, and, I, and I love what uh, Robert Mount says in his commentary on Romans. He said, again, it must be emphasized that sin still is at war against us. We're still going to have that war. But it is no longer an internal force controlling us. Christ is the internal power in our lives. And sin is now an external power trying to defeat us. So here we see that this, there's a change, there's a difference in relationship now. We've died to sin, and we're free in Christ. And understanding that is key to understanding how that relationship has changed. And so we're identified with Christ. We are in Christ. We have, we have a different relationship with sin, but not just a different relationship to sin. Now we are, thirdly, alive to God. We're now alive. Verse 8, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And here's the key that Paul is saying. If we're identified with Christ and all of what he has and all of who he is is now imparted to us, then we have died along with him. And we're raised to newness of life, and being raised to newness of life, we're no longer, we, we have died to sin, but we are alive to God. As we are alive to God, we are to live as those who are alive to God. And so as we see there, we, we see that uh, uh, as Christ died to sin, now lives to God, so we too have died with him, and we also uh, live with God, li- live to God. And so here's Paul's point here. At the very end of it, he says, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, what's interesting is this word consider here. It means to put it together in your mind or to count or to occupy yourself with with the the, the reckonings or the calculations or to value. 
And so here's what Paul's saying. You have all this in Christ. You have died to sin. Your relationships change. You're identified with Christ. But not only are you dead to sin, but you're alive to God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, separated from God. Now we are alive to God. Understanding this fact that we are alive to God means that we should consider or value or, or to, uh, put, to put it together in our mind that we are dead to sin, but we're alive to God. Our mindset must change. And we are now called to live to the glory of God, and we're now called to respond in a way that where we, we don't take sin casually, we take it seriously, and we cut it off. Because we are living to God. Now think about it this way. Oftentimes what we do is we, we tend to think in terms of, or we tend to live, uh, excuse me, in terms of, of like, a, like someone on life support. Now imagine just for a moment that something happened and you were put on life support, and and the only thing keeping you alive was machines. Now, technically, medically, we're alive, but none of us would say that's really living. Uh, we wouldn't say that that's really living. We would we would say that that is uh, uh, that that's not that's not any way we want to live. Most of us wouldn't want to be on life support. We wouldn't want these machines to keep us alive, and, and that's it. You know, that's the only thing keeping us alive. So medically, yeah, there's there's uh, monitors are going off. There's there's uh, uh, activity that's being registered, but ultimately, we're not really living. And I, I wholeheartedly believe that many of us as believers live our Christian lives in this way. We, it's like we're on we're on life support, and yeah, we're we're alive, and we we recognize we have forgiveness and everything in Christ, but we're not really living the way that God has called us to live. We, we've lost our identity. We've lost a little bit of who we are, or a lot of who we are in Christ. You know, we, we recognize forgiveness, we recognize his sacrifice, we recognize what he done for us on the cross, and we say we have eternal life, but we're not fully recognizing all that we have in Christ. And and when we see that we see things like in Peter when it says uh he's given you everything for life and godliness. And and we see those kind of things. We've seen in other passages of scripture that God set us apart as holy. We've seen that we are to, to walk in newness of life. We've talked about that here in this particular podcast. But we continually seem to live as if we are not really, you know, we like we're somebody on life support. We're not even living the way that God has called us to live as believers. I love what Colin Cruz said in his commentary on Romans. He said, as Christ died for our sins once for all, so we ought now to count ourselves dead to sin in the sense that we are released from its tyranny as a result of what Christ has done. And as Christ now lives in a restored relationship with God following his death on the cross, so we are to count ourselves alive to God in Christ. Our responsibility is to take with all seriousness the fact that in Christ we have died. And that was what Robert Mount said. But Colin Cruz would go on and say the very idea or excuse me, Robert Mounts would say this, I misquoted there, the very idea of responding positively to sin's invitation should strike the believer as morbid. For the Christian to choose to sin is the spiritual equivalent of digging up a corpse for fellowship. A genuine death to sin means that the entire perspective of the believer has been radically altered. We are not only dead to sin, but we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. And being alive to, to God in Christ Jesus is, is pointing us to understand all of who we are in Christ 
and all of who we are to be. We've been set apart as holy, and God has provided all that we need for that to take place. Not only has we been set apart positionally, but for it to be lived out and to be shown practically in our lives and how we live, how we act, how we think, how we speak, everything speak how everything about who we are as believers should be geared towards being like Jesus Christ. And God has done everything that is needed for that to take place. We are alive to God in Christ Jesus. But the question becomes this. And this is what I really want to to kind of point you to. Why don't we see it more? You know, we read about this newness in Christ. We read about this uh, uh, this change that's taken place. We're a new creation. Uh, we, we've seen uh, uh, in Scripture the, the prayers of Paul and what he prays for uh, for believers to understand and just how deep those are. And we read that, you know, to him who is able to do far more abundant than we could ever ask or think. And we read all these things in here, and we, we see these commands, and we see what we have in Jesus and these promises that we have in Christ. But why don't we see it more? Why is it not evident more in believers' life? And I'll say first and foremost, I think it's because in one sense we've lost our identity. You know, we, we sort of have taken uh, following Christ and, and we've taken it and made it into to a bunch of uh, religious practices and, and, and we, we've lost uh, the identity as, as a church and what the church is all about. And I think you see that more. It's right now in 2021 we're still in this pandemic. In dealing with this, I think you see that even more in these kind of um, in these kind of uh, situations. The pandemic has sort of sort of progressed that in a sense and opened that up uh, to be able to understand. And so it brings us back to the question: Why don't we see it more as believers? If you're genuinely a follower of Jesus and genuinely someone who is a believer in Christ. But yet you don't seem to see these things happen. Why? You know, you know I sat and I, and I thought about this question. I thought about it on Saturday night. I was sitting there, and, and normally after I preach, and, and you'll hear me say this probably every week, but normally after I preach, I'll sit down with, the, or excuse me, after I prepare my sermon, I'll sit down with the, the passage of Scripture and, and just continue to read and think and just jot down some thoughts and really pray over it and and really pray and, and ask God to, uh, to really open up the scriptures to me. And, and I do that before I prepare and then throughout preparation too. But, but at the end of it, I, I just sit down with the passage and, and all I've studied and all that I've, I've looked at. And I just begin to write down thoughts and ask questions. Sort of a reflecting and, and getting prepared again uh, even further for the next day. And, and it hit me as I'm praying about it. The question came into my mind, I have no doubt. The leading of the Holy Spirit is I'm, I'm praying. Is what do we hunger and thirst for? What is it that we desire as believers in our lives? I, and so I began to to look at the scriptures, and I began to see this theme of. Of, uh, of of hungering and thirsting, and I began to to look and see throughout Scripture. Now, I didn't look throughout the whole Scriptures, but I was able to to find various passages of Scripture that speak about about this idea. Isaiah fifty five one through two is as God is speaking there, and it's an invitation for all to come. As he he's speaking there, uh, and Isaiah is recording, it says uh, it says, "Ho, everyone who thirsts." 
Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Now, of course, that call there that God is extending is, is not just to Israel but to everyone. Uh, it says there, everyone who thirsts. It's pointing to the fact and calling people to come and experience and, and recognize and taste and eat what God offers. It's not talking physically about food and water, but what God offers. And then I saw in John 4, Jesus speaking to the woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Jesus speaking there, speaking about to the woman, uh, to the woman at the well who's, who's offering to, uh, you know, w- with the, the water, she's coming to get water there. And Jesus says, you know, if you drink this water, yeah, you'll be thirsty again physically, those, those, those physical water, which we need, but physical water. But if you drink the water I give you, what Christ offers far greater than what she could get out of that well. John 6, 48. I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. You know, and he goes on to speak speak about the, the bread which came down from heaven for the Israelites. And in verse 58, he says, this is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. You know, physically they ate it and they ended up dying still. Because eventually all human beings will. He who eats this bread will live forever. Talking about what he offers and who he is. John 37, verse 37, 39. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and uh, stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the spirit whom he believed whom those who believed in him were to receive but the spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified again that that living water that flowing water the flowing rivers of living water is speaking of the holy spirit but here we see again another metaphor of of the idea of thirsting after what Jesus has to offer in hebrews we we see an example Concerning him, we have much to say. It is hard to to explain since you have become dull of learning. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. Again, that, 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 that picture there of, of eating uh, uh, and, and chewing on the, the meat of the word. God's revelation of himself to us. What God offers, what is offered to us. But ultimately we see this picture in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. You know, I honestly wholeheartedly believe in, in looking at these passages of Scripture, and there's several more you could look at, is that the reason we don't see a lot of what we read in Scripture about what is characteristic of a believer and who we are in Christ 
is because we don't hunger and thirst after what God offers to us in Christ Jesus. Now, understand this. This does not happen because you and I can somehow just just uh, pull ourselves up and say, we're going to do this and, and run about it and think that we're going to do it. No, it requires a complete and total surrender to Christ in every area of our life. We must abide in him. But the question we got to ask first and foremost is, if we don't, if we don't see this, this thing, these things happen in our lives as believers, what are we hungering and thirsting after? What is it that we as believers are desiring in our lives? Do we desire the things of Christ? I mean, we have so many promises there of, of what Christ has offered to us. We see so many things, so many, uh, uh, so many pictures in Scripture of who we are in Christ and who we are to be and what He has given us. But for many of us, we never see that take place. At least not on the scale that it should. Because we don't hunger and thirst after what God offers in Christ Jesus. We don't hunger and thirst after the things of God. So yeah, we can read we're dead to, to sin, alive to, to God in Christ Jesus. We can read that we have been identified with him. We're to walk in newness of life. We can, we can read all that and we can see it. And it, it's, it's a reality for us as believers. It's true. But for many of us, we don't see it evident in our lives because we hunger and thirst after the things of the world rather than the things of Christ. Much of the realities we see in Scripture don't come to realization in the Christian life because we don't hunger and thirst for it. Again, this is not something you can do on your own. But it is a call for us to desire and to surrender and to, uh, to, to realize these things in our lives. So how do we do that? Number one, I think we need to be on our knees and asking. God, what is it? Show me, reveal to me what I hunger and thirst for. What is it that I desire? What is it that I want? Secondly, I think you need to ask God to give you that desire. To give you that desire to, to hunger and thirst for what he has to offer. And here's the promise you see in Matthew 5, 6. For they shall be satisfied. But thirdly, we need to get in the scriptures. And we need to be looking. You can read some of these passages I gave you today. We need to be looking in the scriptures and say, who am I to be in Christ? What, what has he done for me? What has he done? And, 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 and what has he accomplished that's been imparted to me? Who am I to be? How, what does my identity with Christ look like? And how is my life to change? And I'll tell you this. That will be the greatest when we surrender to Christ as believers and get back to who we are in Jesus Christ as a church as individuals who make up the church, if we would get back to that, it would be the greatest witness in our world. Because people would see Christ in us. But here's the question again 
What do you hunger and thirst for? Go to your knees. Pray. Ask God to show you. And respond. Respond in the way that you should. I want to thank you again for joining me today. And hopefully this has been encouraging to you. And, and hopefully it's been challenging to you uh, to think through. Because we we need to get back as believers to understanding who, who we are in Christ. And we sell salvation so short. And simply say, we've been forgiven of our sins. We have eternal life. We do. That's there. But there's so much more provided in Christ. Do you desire it? Do you hunger something that is basic to who you are? As basic as food is. When you're hungry, you go and get something to eat. When you're thirsty, you go and get something to drink. No matter what you're doing, you stop what you're doing to go and, and get that taken care of. That same desire for the things of Christ should be in our lives as believers. Thank you again for joining me today, and I want to pray with you as we we end this podcast. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. I pray that you would help us and lead us as believers to desire the things of Christ, that we would desire to be who you've called us to be, and that we would seek um, to be to recognize our identity in you. We would hunger and thirst for the things that, that you offer in Christ and that we'd be a witness, salt and light, to those around us. Be with us, Lord. Help us. Give us a, a desire to, to be holy. Lord, and help us to recognize where we fall short. Be with all those who are listening to this, Lord. I just pray your blessings on them. Thank you and praise you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining me for a passage and a principle.